Welcome to the Core Women Podcast, the place for women entrepreneurs, authors, and self-starters looking to build community and gain valuable insights through expert interviews with women at the top of their game. Join your host, podcaster, producer, expert coach, entrepreneur, and author, Dr. Summer Watson, as she aims to inspire and empower you through these candid conversations. Lean in and embrace the journey. It's time to start the show. Here's your host, Dr. Summer Watson. Today on the show, I'd like to welcome Leslie Rasmussen, who is the award-winning author of the novel, After Happily Ever After. She was born and raised in Los Angeles and graduated from UCLA. She went on to write television comedies and is a member of the Writers Guild of America. Leslie wrote for Gerald McRaney. Burt Reynolds, Roseanne Barr, Norm MacDonald, Drew Carey, as well as the Wild Thornberries and Sweet Valley High. After leaving the business to raise her boys, she attained a master's in nutrition and ran her own business for 10 years. Recently, she's written over 20 essays for Huffington Post, Maria Shriver, and She Knows, and has been on several panels discussing women empowerment and midlife. We have so much to talk about, Leslie, so let's just dive right into this and welcome. Thank you so much, Summer, for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Absolutely. So let's take a moment, and can you give a picture of what it was like to grow up in Los Angeles and how those experiences might have influenced your personal and professional life? It definitely influenced my professional life. I mean, I, I actually loved growing up. I grew up in the San Fernando Valley, which was very suburban and my schools were all closed. We walked to school with our friends, you know, it was really, really nice, but I was always fascinated by television and the studios that were all around me. And whenever my parents would drive us and we were anywhere near a studio, I would just dream. And at the time I really wanted to be an actor. And so I kind of thought maybe I would pursue that, but I, all I really knew is I wanted to be on a studio lot. I didn't care how. So when I was in college, when I was at UCLA, they did a program where you could do internships and I did a bunch of internships in different places. And two of them were on studio lots. And the last one I did was on what was the Mary Tyler Moore lot. And it was wonderful. And I loved it. And when I graduated, they offered me a job. So I worked as an assistant on Hill Street Blues and that kind of started everything. And before that, I did pursue acting. I did it while I was in college for like three or four years. I did some commercials and some things. And I realized that I did not like rejection (laughs) and I didn't like rejection on what I looked like. That's what really bothered me because that's really what they're looking at a lot of times. I mean, you come in and you do the part, but especially for commercials, they're sort of looking at you. Are you, you know, I lost parts because I was actually 21, but I looked very young. So I was playing a teenager and whoever the mom was that was hired, if she was blonde and I'm not, you know, I lost parts for some stupid reasons and I got parts for some stupid reasons. And I just felt like I didn't go to UCLA for that, you know, (laughs) to Mm -hmm. just sort of stand there. And I know once you get into it and you, you know, really learn acting, there's a lot of education behind it. But when I was doing it, I was just sort of doing it like at a basic level. So that was really growing up in Los Angeles is really why I got into my career. 
I mean, okay. in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so many fun movies that came out of the San Fernando Valley as well, such as did Sweet Valley High come out of San Fernando Valley? <laughs> Was that well, we did it in San Fernando Valley. Okay. I don't know if, um, I don't remember like if the show was I don't think so. Okay. I don't think the show took place. But I think Valley Girl was supposed to be based out of there. There were a lot of really fun movies out of the San yeah. Fernando Valley, especially in yeah. the 80s. But yeah, what a great place to grow up. How exciting and what great experiences. Just going to UCLA, doing those internships, which really gave you some insight before you graduated about, hmm, is this really for me? What do I really want to do? So let's talk about, let's do a little shift here and let's talk about your passion for writing and how you broke into the writing, let's say industry in entertainment. Right. It, you know, it's really funny because at the time there were not as many women writers or producers, honestly. And when I was working on Hill Street Blues, I thought I just wanted to go into production and be a producer, a line producer. And I wasn't even thinking about writing at the time. And so I was pursuing that by going to editing. I mean, my boss would let me go to all these things. And at the time they were doing like live music. So you could go in and watch the sessions. I mean, it was incredible. And I could go to the dailies of the shows and watch how they edited. So I did all of that. And that's where I was going. And I was up for the next job, which was the next level, which was like below an associate producer, but working with the associate producer. And there was a lot of nepotism, which there still is. And somebody from the outside, um, a young man came in who was younger than me and jumped right over me. And I was really angry. <laughs> and yeah. so I just decided, you know what? I'm going to just think about what else I want to do here. Because I just sort of had this point where I just wasn't sure what to do. And I started watching the writers. Um, the Newhart show was done, not the old Bob Newhart show, the newer Newhart show gotcha. was done on our lot. And I was watching and watching and meeting all the writers. And I really enjoyed watching them in the room because I got to sit in the room a little bit. And I loved that camaraderie. So I just started writing sitcoms. Oh, as many as I could write, just specs. I wrote Seinfeld. I wrote everything. Wow. And, and I met a woman on major, I'm, I'm sorry that I'm jumping. I met a woman on Newhart who took me under her wing and she liked my scripts and she, you know, wanted to promote women. So she got me to her agent and that agent took me on. And then she got me on the show she was moved on to, which was major dad. And she got me a script there. And in the meantime, I was still being an assistant. I moved over to sitcoms. I did ALF. I did the second Carol Burnett show called Carol and Company. Mm -hmm. So I was on the Disney lot. So I was meeting a lot of people. And once I got my first script, I quit. Because at the time, you could do a lot of freelance and you could you know, get on pilots and things like that. So that led me into doing that. So actually, this guy kind of did me a favor because I ended up loving. I'd written my whole life. So for whatever reason, I'd always written short stories. My father was a writer. Um, so I, I don't know why I didn't even think of pursuing that. And right. like you said, when I was doing internships, I was on a show called New Scope, which was like, not the Today Show, but that kind of like news okay. entertainment show. Right. And they were having me not only research, they were having me write copy. So I was okay. writing copy and I would go home and watch these anchors do my copy. So I was always writing. So yeah. it was, you know, it was in my blood. I just don't know why I didn't think of it to begin with. <laughs> well, sometimes we just need that 
experience, right? That experience of internships. I love, love, love internships. I started out, you know, doing internships as well in undergrad and with my master's, it was mandatory with my master's and boy, that allowed me to really feel like I had something going into um, the job or when I was looking for a job, I didn't feel so green. I didn't feel so like, Oh, I don't know what I'm not, I'm doing here. I actually felt prepared. Did do you feel that same way? To oh, a I felt degree? so prepared, but I also felt like it taught me what I didn't want to do. Right. Um, one of the internships was in um, films and it was reading, you know, scripts and deciding and not deciding, but telling them, well, this is a good script this is a bad script. Or, you know, I don't think this was for Lorimar at the time. I don't know. It doesn't exist anymore, but it was a huge studio. Oh, I remember it. Yes. Remember it? Okay. Oh, yeah. So, and at the time, this producer was saying to me, like, do you suggest because he didn't want to read anything. So I was there for free, you know, reading scripts and saying yes or no. And later on, I found one of the scripts that I had, it turned out these people were like big writers now, but yeah. at the time I thought the script was awful. So I was like, what are those? That was really funny, but I learned so many things. I learned when I did this new stove show, I learned, okay, the writing was kind of interesting, but I don't want to do this. I don't want to do a news show. I don't really want to do films. And so by the time I got to MTM, which was my last internship right before I graduated, I knew I like I loved being on a small studio, even though I love big studios, too. But yeah. MTM is small. It's now called CBS Radford. And um, it's it's smaller and it's just a family. I know it sounds crazy, but you really when you're on a show, you do become a family because right. you're there all the time and especially right. the sick. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you just look at what happened recently with Bob Saget and you can imagine what that full house family feels like, because as you said, you become a family. You do. And, you know, I did a Norm MacDonald um, episode and um, my husband's in the business. So he was running that show and, you know, it was devastating for all of us. Yeah. on a personal level at times back then. And, and it just, you're shocked by it. You just, yeah. you know, and he didn't tell anybody he had cancer. So it was really shocking. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I can imagine because when I heard that the news about Norm Macdonald, I knew that he didn't look so well, but at the same time, you don't realize like maybe how sick somebody is. And then when you hear he's somebody's past, you're like, Wow. So to be part of that, that family, that entertainment family, that small studio and, it, it does. It is impacting. And he, we're all human, right? Which kind of leads into my next question is something that you had answered a little bit touched on. You had mentioned what it was like to be a woman in the entertainment industry. And that was going to be my next question, working in the industry and being a woman. Do you, and having separated from it for a while now, but do you see changes being made for women in the industry? And what are the changes that you recognize? Oh, there's huge changes. Mm-hmm. Now there's huge changes. Um, there's tons of women in comedy. When I was doing it, they actually would say out loud, well, you know, women aren't usually that funny. And if you're attractive, you're definitely not funny. And I mean, that was just sad. Yeah. So there weren't, you know, every staff had 90% men and there was one or two token women. Now there's so many shows that are run by women. There are so many, you know, now it's pretty much 
50-50, I think, you know, um, it's amazing. And women have really moved up in the business in all places. I mean, now there's tons of women producers, women running shows. So I've seen a huge change and nobody would ever say that anymore. Like, oh, if you're attractive, you're not funny. I mean, that's uh, Oh, no. <laughs> so many funny, good looking stand-up comedians. I mean, oh, so, right. you know, it has changed a dramatic amount. Yeah. So, which is really nice to see because now I know a lot of female writers, you know, in the business. So that's fantastic. That's great that you're seeing that kind of change and evolution. I mean, just as we go back in history, you know, and look at the evolution of how women have grown and have been embraced in different industries, just as well as in community, but we've had to work hard to get there. I was going to meet, I was changing agents and I went to meet an agent many years ago and I walked in and we met and we talked and at the end of the meeting, he said to me, well, I have a stable of women and you're kind of like them. <laughs> so that, that, so, you know, <laughs> that speaks volumes. Oh yeah. A stable. Hmm. Interesting. It sounds like you also took a step back at some point from your professional career and took time to raise your children. Were you just ready for that move? Was it time to say, okay, my family's a priority and how did that feel for you? Um, I will say that it was hard because I loved my job. I loved working in television, but when I had my first son, I was still doing freelances. And so that was great. I was still like, you know, I'd have somebody watch him and I'd go into the room and work on that script. And then I'd have some time off. And so it was working really well. By the time I had my second son, the business had really changed. And the Writers Guild stopped having where they would say, you have to have somebody freelance a script. And so a lot of shows kind of didn't necessarily have to do that anymore. So they didn't necessarily look for freelance. And I didn't want a job that was full time because the hours are terrible. So when my second son was about a year old, things just started to dry up for scripts wise. And I decided, you know what, I'm just going to be here with them. And when they go off to kindergarten, then I'll revisit it. But at that point, it was really hard to get in. So mm. I had to reanalyze what I wanted to do. And I met with a life coach and really thought about it. And I always loved nutrition. So that's kind of the direction I went and mm -hmm. got the master's and did nutrition but I kept writing and that's why I kept doing, you know, articles for Huffington Post and other online sources because I needed to write. Yeah, absolutely. Because it was just in your DNA. It was mm -hmm. something, it sounds like you, you had to do, you yeah. know, it was just part of who you are. And so, so today you continue to write for some incredible periodicals and people, and you've also written an award-winning book after happily ever after. So let's, dive into this. Tell us about this book and maybe the impetus for writing this novel. Well, because I was a mom, I was around a lot of moms. And as my kids got older and as their kids got older, we started to have these conversations about what's the second part of our life, what's going to happen when our kids leave. You know, we were so busy with them. And I started out thinking I was going to write this nonfiction book and about women. And I put out a survey online that was completely anonymous and all these women responded and I looked at it and I thought my background is fiction I would rather write all these women as one protagonist so my protagonist mm. is Maggie 
she has a daughter that she she was a um, in, in publishing and she gave up her job to raise her daughter and her daughter's now 17 and she's going to be going off to college and Maggie is thinking how do I rediscover myself now I've lost my identity how do I do that and in the midst of her thinking about this and her daughter pulling away from her just becoming independent she has this wonderful marriage which for the last six months her husband's also going through something which the reader knows but the but maggie doesn't know what it is and all she knows is she's lonely and she's disconnected from her husband who she loves and that's affecting her she's also part of the sandwich generation and mm -hmm. that means she's got aging parents and she's got very close to her father and something is going on with her father that she's also has to deal with. So in the midst of her having this journey that she's nervous, but excited about and trying to figure out what she's doing, everything in her life comes crashing down on her. And she starts to make these decisions that could blow up everything she's built. So it's really about somebody in midlife coming to that place where they say, now what? What do I do? But I'm also dealing with all these other issues because we all have issues in our life. Yeah. And I wanted to write something that you know, I've had lots of men read it and yeah. they've loved it, but it's yeah, really man. geared towards women in the sense of Maggie is the main character, but there right. are men and there's men going through things too in the book. So it's just about life and family dynamics. Right. And then life. And I love that you did that survey and you brought all those women into this by making them the, the protagonist. And so that is really interesting how you did that and how you kind of developed that. And you're talking about midlife because I talk to a lot of women every day where they said, you know, I started with the dream. The dream was, and then life started picking up and then I got married and then I had children. Yet that person that had that dream is still in here somewhere. How do I find that person again? And then you get into your mid thirties, forties, fifties, and even beyond and you've got that potential 2.0, 3.0, but how do you pursue that? And so, although this novel is fiction, it speaks to so many mm -hmm. for so many different reasons. So I love that whole concept and what you brought forward in this fiction novel. So that's fantastic. So thank you for sharing that with us. We've talked about a lot here. We've talked about your personal journey, your professional journey, that second stage for you as well, that 2.0, 3.0 in developing what your journey looks like today. So as we come to the close of the interview, my last question is, if you were to leave the listeners with some words of wisdom today, what would they be? I would say, whatever your passion is, keep it alive. Even if it's something that you have to like sort of do as a hobby and just keep it alive, because no matter what, you should still pursue it. And when you hit your midlife and you either have kids or don't have kids or you're questioning your career or your marriage, know that you can still pursue something. I mean, midlife does not mean your life is over. I mean, I still know, I know tons of writers that are writing their first book in their seventies and eighties. So I'm saying like, if that's whatever that passion is, keep it alive. And yes, you're going to get busy with whatever life is your career and your kids, whatever that is, but don't lose what's really deep inside of you. That's really important. 
Oh, thank you so much, Leslie, for joining me on the Core Women podcast today. Thank you for having me, Summer. This has been great. Thank you. Absolutely. You can connect and follow Leslie A. Rasmussen on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and at LeslieARasmussen.com. You can also check out her book at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and other retailers. Thank you for joining us on the Core Women Podcast with Dr. Summer Watson. We're so glad you're here and would love to connect more with you. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Core Women and on Twitter at Core Women One. For more about Core Women and Dr. Watson, visit corewomen.com. Want more support and resources for amazing women like you? Great. Join Dr. Watson and Jen Fontanilla at the Life, Love, and Money Collective, a core women production that aids in understanding the key traits that might be getting in the way of living a life that you are absolutely passionate about. Connect with Summer and Jen and find out more at thelifeloveandmoney.com.